0: Hey, in this week's episode of the High Impact Man podcast, we bring you Dan Mendez. He's F3 Genesis. He, he grew up in Southern California, had uh, some trauma in his childhood, kind of led him to be an atheist and then an anarchist and then a Satanist, and ultimately he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And his story is compelling, and it's, it's pretty amazing. A lot of you probably haven't heard anything like this before. He's a member of F3 out in Minnesota. Sit back and enjoy Genesis telling his story.
1: Welcome to the High Impact Man Podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope. Gosh, seek
2: transformational relationships.
1: What you're hearing from the
2: culture is not right. Pick up the six, you know what I mean? But you never know who your six sometimes is. Stop being less.
1: To help others become the virtuous leaders they're called to be and that our nation desperately needs.
0: Well, welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the High Impact Man Podcast, right? Yeah. That's Episode uh, 54, this one should be. So we're into our second year, second episode of weekly episodes, uh, bringing you men to tell their stories, stories to motivate inspire and encourage you guys out there uh, to just, you know, do better and uh, to be more virtuous leaders. Uh, our guest today has, has a great story to tell, uh, Dan Mendez. He's F3 Genesis. Uh, we're going to bring him on in a second. My name is Nevin Gorky. I'm known as DfiB in the gloom to my F3 brothers. And I'm joined as always by Troy Klinger, otherwise known as Dial-Up, to his friends in the gloom. Uh, Dial-Up, you were just saying to me in cafeteria on Saturday uh, something about what's really cool about this podcast. Do you remember what you were saying?
1: <laughs> you know what? Uh, you even said you were going to ask me about this. You don't and remember.
0: Blank. Uh, uh, I, I should have teed you up before we went on the air. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's a lot of bad news out there.
1: Oh yeah, that's what it was. Okay. Thank you. I I totally forgot. Yeah. I said, you know, in, in whether it be social media, um, you know, just, uh, the, the news cycles that are out there, like everything is negative, not everything, you know, if you, if you pay attention, right, 80%, 90% of what's being pushed for us to hear is, is negative news. And, uh, you know, this, if things were more positive and, and more people were hearing stories like this, not just, not just F3, but, but positive things that people are out there doing with their lives in, in society, making a difference, um, having a positive impact in different ways, people overcoming adversity, um, you know, the, the, the stuff we hear week in and week out during mm. our podcast, right. if more of this stuff was out there for folks to hear, what, what would the difference be? In the world, and like right. it's just it, it's frustrating, you know, to to just hear the the junk that's on the on the news. Um, that just continues to focus on the negative, and and if we would just focus more on the positive, the world could be such a better place. And that's why we do this. We're here to make the world a better place. We're here to make the better. (laughs) We'd like to teach the The world world to sing. sing. That's it.
0: (laughs) Nobody wants to hear that. That is not making the world a better place. Yeah, they're like, what is that?
1: That's (laughs) what, 70s, 80s, maybe? ba
0: brother, yeah. (laughs) It's not 80s. It's 70s, I think. 70s, anyway. Yeah, so um, anyway, you know, that's, uh, you said that. I I remember years and years ago, probably in the early 90s, mid-90s, something like that, I had this idea. To create the good news network, GNN. That's uh, <laughs> yes, right. I've heard
1: you mention this before. The yeah, GNN.
0: Because there's so much bad. Everything's bad news. Because that's what sells, right? So, yeah. Anyway. Welcome. And why?
1: Like, why? like why why? does the negative news sell?
0: Nobody's going to stop to watch somebody planting daisies, but they'll stop to watch a car wreck. I don't
1: yeah, know. I just, it's it's yeah. anyway. Human nature.
0: I don't know. Why do you watch Dahmer and recommend that to me?
1: I, that was just, I don't know. It, so someone like talked me into watching it. Cause like I yeah. had no intentions of watching. It. I think it's because the, the reference of Spielberg's looks like Dahmer. <laughs> so, so that's what got me starting watching the first episode. Yeah. Our tech guy Spielberg uh, here, especially his hair. Like that was before he cut his hair. And then he had the, he had the glasses that really looked like Dahmer's right. that he wore to a beat that one time. And like, it was legit. He, he truly did look like Dahmer and yeah, he did. And, uh, that's what got me watching the first episode. And then it was just like fascinating. Like just how whacked out this dude was. Um, But uh, yeah.
0: All right, cool. So um, sorry to uh, take up your airtime with all that nonsense. Uh, So, our our guest today, as I said, is F3 Genesis. Genesis, welcome to the podcast.
2: Well, thank you guys for having me here. So, it's a privilege.
0: Yeah. And Genesis is coming to us from Minnesota. What part of Minnesota are you in?
2: I'm in the Twin Cities, uh, but in Minneapolis specifically.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so, tell us the usual stuff. So, as far as F three is concerned, how, when did you start? How did you, you know, who EH'd you? How did you get involved with F three? And how did you get your name? Wait, before you tell uh, us, before you tell us uh, your name, Dial Up and I usually try to guess how people got their name. Oh, Genesis. Genesis. Um,
1: okay. Who? Maybe because of his backstory that we're going to get into, like. F3 was like a new beginning
0: for him new beginnings. Yeah. I like that. We'll go with that. All right. Tell us Genesis. How'd you get involved with F three? How'd you get your name?
2: Um, very close. Um, you know, faith became a big thing in my life later on in life. Um, you know, grew up as an atheist, but, um, I also was very involved in a lot of stem cell research before, um, uh. So a lot of my, recent, my background is in biomedical research. So I started like as an undergrad and I've carried that on forward and currently doing a PhD in neuroscience, but a lot of like the theme around my research involves around development. And so I do a lot of molecular science, cellular biology work. And so when they found that out, they kind of combined the gene thing with the origin story, Genesis. And yeah. lo and behold, that's how I got my name. That's right. cool. So, that's cool.
0: How'd you get involved with F three? Who EH'd you?
2: Um, so I was just, um, someone by the name of Solid State, um, just started, uh, Twin Cities AO here around, I think it was 2016, if I remember correctly. Um, and I had moved here in 2016, but it was, did not meet until 2017. And I was running around one of the lakes here in the Twin Cities. We have like so many beautiful lakes around in the city and around. And, um, I tend to like running, so I was just jogging around one Saturday morning and he just reaches out, and gives me a F3 invite card, and says, "You know, we we have a workout here, uh, boot camp style, outside. You know, if you ever want to join, it's free for all men." And gave it a shot. Um, but I was also that was right before I had my first child. Mm-hmm. Well, my wife technically did. <laughs> and then um, essentially, yeah. Then I just like I was also starting a master's program later on that year. I was working full time. And now I've been three years in this PhD program. So it's just been kind of a whirlwind. You know, we've had our second since then, mm-hmm. our second child. And so, so consistency was not, <laughs> didn't develop until like maybe five years later down
3: the road. So, mm-hmm.
2: beginning of 2022 is when I said, I really need some sort of stress reliever while I'm kind of getting through grad school and um, really just kind of want to make some changes in my life and started making a commitment. and beginning of 2022 did my first VQ and, and since then I've been about, you know, going out twice a week at least. And I bike every day to work for the most part, you know, all seasons through the winter as a Southern Californian. And it's been great to incorporate that. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's kind of the backstory of it. So those five years, i have just kind of like coming in and out, you know, just when I had some downtime, you know, maybe like a winter break or something from school. And then but now I'm more consistent now. It's a kind of integral part of my, my life. So, and building some solid community. So that was important being a California transplant, moving to Minnesota. right? Uh, and so, cause we, my wife and I basically made the decision in faith, believing that God had moved us over here with, uh, and actually moved with no job and no house in mind. We felt like we were just supposed to just, abandoned california and left basically after putting in our two weeks notice uh made a decision within about a week and then two weeks later basically just bailed and uh so yeah so it's been kind of a crazy crazy life and you know so f3 has been kind of there in the back of my head over the years and then finally just like just kind of ends met and was like i just need to like just commit to this yeah yeah. embraced it yeah
1: yeah and that's a tough you know, I know we see it in our packs and I'm sure it's true across the, across the nation, but yeah, when you have the young kids like you do, that's, that's a tough group of guys Mm -hmm. to get to be consistent, you know, because of lack of sleep and all the other things that go along with raising those young, uh, raising those young kids. So yeah, kudos to you for having that consistency now and getting out twice a week. sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. What was interesting is that another guy that started
2: around that same time I did, I also, started showing up again mm-hmm. consistently. Now, we also just had some young kiddos and everything had trouble with consistency, so it's actually yeah. kind of funny. But we didn't recognize each other when we saw each other again, they've been so long, right? So,
1: cool. What's, what's your name, your name of your region out there? Give them a shout out. <clears throat>
2: um, they could just call the Twin Cities AO
1: or, or the Winter Wolves, the Winter Wolves, Winter Ooh. Wolves. Yeah. Cool, they're really from the land of ice and snow. Look at that! Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. more than us.
0: That's for sure. True. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's get get to know you a little bit better. Tell us about uh, uh, from the beginning. I know I know that you did you were you born in Mexico and then moved to California, or did your family come from Mexico and you were born in Southern California?
2: Yeah. So my so I was born in America, born in Southern California, born and raised there. Um, my mom is from Mexico. My dad's also of Mexican descent, but always have a hard time because I had a strained relationship with my dad growing up. So I didn't, didn't have like a really tight connection with him. You um, know, we lived in the same household. So my wife probably knows more about his background and history than I do. <laughs> and because um, he's just like, since she's come into my life, he's poured out a lot, a lot of stories that I never heard of. And part of that was my own fault for not engaging with him too much growing up. But, one, one of my grandparents or both grandparents are from Mexico, Mexico as well. But my dad was born and raised in uh, Arizona, Tucson. And interestingly enough, if you visit the Sosa Museum in Tucson, that's actually from my ancestry. And um, so I need snowbirds to <laughs> Arizona, I the Sosa Museum, and that's got a little bit of history of my family from, from the Spanish side of
0: things. What's it called? The no, so- Sosa
2: Museum? Sosa. Like the last name, S-O-S-A. Okay. Sammy, um, Sammy Sosa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so that side of my family arrived around like 1776 in Arizona. So kind of an interesting fact. So I actually came and visited on the way moving to Minnesota, so... It was actually quite interesting to learn a wow. lot about that history. Yeah, in
0: 1776, that was just a territory. I think I don't think anybody owned it. I'm not sure. So yeah, you know, my family kind of, from what I understand, built a
3: lot of the Phoenix area, the Mesa, Tucson area. Right. So,
0: very cool. <laughs> All right. So, I, and I read your bio. I'm going to let you tell the story though. So, uh, what what happened with you through childhood?
2: Um, you know, not getting into too much details. You know, I'm more than open to anyone reaching out, you know, on an individual, individual basis and I'm more than welcome to more will feel free to tell them, but basically just kind of had some trauma growing up as a kid. Um, My mom basically followed a lot of Catholic traditions, very devoted, still devoted. Um, My dad kind of had some loose sort of beliefs in some sort of faith, kind of loosely based around Christianity and stuff but mainly did things to appease my mom. Like, you know, we celebrated Christmas Eve instead of Christmas Day. We, you know, my family built a manger every year, and that was kind of a family tradition. And, you know, and it was a big one, built it in the garage, and big whole thing. We'd stay up, pray until midnight, open gifts then. And then um, Christmas Day, we didn't really do anything. So uh, very Catholic tradition, especially true in Hispanic culture. So. Um, and I just kind of denied God since I was four years old. Um, just kind of just didn't believe it at all. Just thought it was just kind of hocus, focus type stuff. Um, but part of that is also, I believe just kind of going through my own mental healing, which is kind of just some of the traumas that I've faced as a child. And, um, so then, um, so then, yeah, just kind of fast forwarding, I kind of just, always kind of been kind of a rebellious kid just mm-hmm. and with so influences and the spheres that i was in circles of friends i got into the punk rock scene and got into the anarchist scene and it was very from like probably the like age of 10 like really kind of reading up on anarchist philosophy and listening to kind of more heavy music punk music and then i was 13 i was in my first punk band and at that point what really kind of drove me to atheism is that some of the family members, you know, if you think of your old favorite family members, my favorite family members that you always loved coming over for Christmas, Easter, whatever, um, they all died in a really terrible car accident. Oh, boy. And yeah. They would lead the prayer time for the manger, like, on Christmas Eve a lot. Um, and so so I always have that stuck in my memory. So as a logical thing. It was more of, like, well, this kind of confirms that God doesn't exist, because why would God do that? Mm. You know, why would God allow that? Because, you know, they were very devoted, favorite people, you know, and it was, like, the parents, my cousin, and, like, six other kids all died in this accident. They were, like, driving home from their vacation in Mexico and got, you know, uh, head-on collision with a semi-truck. And it's, like, Mm. it just so bad that I couldn't even they could we couldn't even have an open casket for wow. two um, So it was just yeah. So so those were sort of like the things that happened. You know, I had friends that committed suicide in high school. Um, so and then, you know, just just some other like just bad decisions I made, relationship-wise, you know, just you know, betrayals, just one thing after another, and then um you know, then in high school, and I didn't really have any direction in life, just kind of just, I didn't really have anyone driving me academically, I always just tended to do well in school, uh, as far as like the liberal arts, but science and math was just difficult And I thought my normal strategy of not studying would work, <laughs> uh, turns out that just wasn't the case, um, and then I started like, considering, you know, that I wanted to go into vet medicine or something like that, because I was really into animals, you know. And really liked biology. So I thought maybe I'll just start paying attention in class and actually try a little bit,
3: mm-hmm. and then,
2: you know, pulling up my D to a B by the time my chemistry class was over in like junior year of high school and stuff. And like, Oh wow. Well, pay attention works, you know? So, but at the time I was more concerned about jamming out and playing punk bands like throughout the LA area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was even going to like go on tour with one band and, um, And it was just very, um, took a very serious sort of centric sort of theme around anarchist philosophy. And I started really kind of building on that, like studying some of the 1800s anarchist philosophers and 1700s anarchist philosophers. and um, Sort of beyond what the punk rock movement as probably maybe people would superficially see as like, you know, just chaos and stuff. I'm thinking more of like, Eventually thinking more about like the Spanish Civil War of like the 1930s or uh, 1919 Ukrainian Civil War and stuff like that. You know, so it's uh or the labor movement of the turn of the 20th century and the influences on modern day life and work life and stuff. So so they're kind of really delving into that. I was really into activism, I protested, you know, whichever sort of cause you could think of. Um and so then it just finally just like uh, by the time I hit college, I started kind of entering into more of a um, sort of militant sort of sect of anarchism. So before I was kind of more into the pacifism, more just kind of like passive resistance, you know, kind of more Martin Luther King style. But then I started getting into more of like the the militant action of overthrowing governments and stuff like that. And so oh, then yeah. Go ahead.
3: So.
0: Let me let me pause for just a second. I, if you don't mind, could you could you describe what the uh, anarchist philosophy is? Because you've mentioned it multiple times. This will make sure uh, we know we all know what we're talking about.
2: Really, kind of like the basics without getting into the weeds, because you could get into it really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's I used to. I remember when I was in college, used to kind of call it like this is really like what a direct democracy would look like. Um, really, kind of when we talk about like the voice of the people. We talk about mutual agreement, mutual cooperation, and respect for one another, mm-hmm. um, but really kind of accepting of basically sort of anything, you know, essentially, you know, just freedom, equal rights for everyone. And um, and essentially, I think some people would think of anarchism as having no sort of like sort of authority, authority whatsoever, but I was kind of more of the sect of anarchism that is kind of like, still believed in working and having a, a a free society governed by your work and stuff. So, you know, like in the civil war of like Spain, they had like uh, workers unions that would basically um, basically have vouchers for like how much you work and that's how much food you got. So it's kind of very, almost kind of like tied to like communism to some sort of extent. But one thing that uh, Karl Marx and another, anarchist philosopher were kind of somewhat close, but then they just really kind of just separated out philosophically and even kind of in a relationship level because anarchism doesn't believe in having an absolute federal government governing you. And that's because we believe that that leads to, um, you know, ultimately like a dictatorship. Right. And so, um, so that, so I've always been wary of that, political movement anything related to communism and socialism mm-hmm. and um even back then and so which is kind of weird not wanting to get too much into it it's just kind of weird how things are turning out now <laughs> but um
3: right
2: so um and yeah and i just think i just carried that sort of attitude with me even as you know kind of going now into my story of christianity it's some people ask me how you kind of how I went from that to Christianity, and it's like once I started to kind of learn about what who Jesus, the character of Jesus was, and learn more about the Bible and um, who God was, God you of know, the Bible, then I was like, oh, this is someone I can follow. It's someone I can look up to. Someone who says that mm-hmm. to abandon the material things of this world and to focus on the things of heaven and stuff. Like these are all things as an anarchist believed in right Um, but all the things that jesus was also teaching was like all these virtues that were wow that is like what i want like i I was a straight edge guy who was like basically didn't drink didn't do drugs or anything even though like my friends were drunk plastered high whatever um you know and i was kind of also a nerd like i just didn't want to be the nerd but i was kind of the nerd i like talking about nerdy things that's why i'm doing a phd in neuroscience right now so it's like um yeah but kind of having this conflict of like this is the world i'm in but um but as part of like the whole move towards the militant thing that's also kind of where my christianity started i actually kind of went to a meeting where there was some people Kind of more on like sort of peace side of things and i pulled a friend aside and was like hey uh well i didn't he's a friend now but um uh, didn't know him at the time and i said hey i just don't think this is gonna work anymore i think we need to do something different and you know and he was like because i've actually been thinking the same thing and but wanted to do something similar and then from there on out we just found some more like-minded people and um and just basically is essentially thinking about infiltrating different spheres of the world careers military what have you and basically wait for a time like this like that we're in now and you know to set up an attack essentially um and that my identity was so wrapped into that
0: Okay, uh, I, I'm, let me so, pause you for just a second there. I got a question because you mentioned that in your bio, and you say you know, like this, this is like an organized effort to to basically create war and instability, right? Is this a is this an is this organized like across the world or just like different local sections?
2: I think different local sections, but I think um, you know the the thing about the thing about anarchism is that I think like in America, I think it's still relatively sort of still juvenile uh whereas in europe there's a long history so it's a way much more organized yeah over there and um and then a lot of like the people who've coined the term anarchism kind of just really kind of sprung up there to begin with so it's a lot more sort of adherence to that um and then more militant groups there but i think the, the militant side of things has caught on and it's more organized these days um but At the time it was sort of like sort of like a few of us and kind of all of us were kind of interconnected with other people who wanted to do the very similar things and then it was like in my head in my my vision was a 20-year plan so it wasn't like this right away we're just gonna like do this thing it's like the years are gonna carry out a 20-year plan like i was planning on being a doctor and you know using some of my funds to fund to you know this like, fund the movement and stuff like that and to recruit more people, you know, try to build some sort of secret training camp and stuff like that, you know, to, you know, train soldiers and stuff like that, you know, get people to infiltrate militaries. Like, it was, like, it was going to be a very well-planned out wow thing. Yeah, because you and,
0: got to get weapons and all kinds of stuff if you want to do this, right?
2: Yeah, you need the funds, you need people who are in places of power, places of influence. And that was the whole idea. So just like, well, we can't just like hang out at punk shows all day and <sighs> expect to change anything. You know, we need to actually get educated. We need to be, uh, have some sort of like earned respect in the world. And, um, you know, and I thought, you know, my interest in biology, I, I went from veterinary medicine to medicine because my brother ended up having he had a lot like a lot of long standing kidney problems growing up, but it just went into full on kidney failure by the time he was 21. Mm-hmm. And so, I thought, and he's two years older than me, so I was 19 at the time, and that was like a year in college. And um, he had so basically, like, that was kind of the year, so 2007, when I was like really kind of like gathering some momentum for this stuff that we're talking about, um, and then, my brother ended up having a near death experience um, where he basically when a doctor, he was in the hospital and uh, doctors had told him that he wouldn't make it through the night. Mm -hmm. And then, so then he would just like basically for the first time in his life was like, God, if you're real, but more specifically Jesus, if you're real, because that's what I know, like from my upbringing, if you're real, I will, tell everyone else about you if you get me through this. Mm. And he still got kidney failure, but like his blood values like changed like overnight on their own. And he basically, and the doctors just didn't know what to do about it. They're just like, there's no way like they spun his blood the night before. Where like your blood is like water. There's like no hemoglobin in there. And not know how you're walking, mm. you know? And so, and then around the same time, because me and my brother collaborated and talked later after that. He was back down in Florida, so I didn't even know that this was going on. Uh, what caught my attention to kind of change, start changing my path was I had a dream that lasted seven days. And and what I mean by that is just, I slept one night, went woke up the next morning, and then went back to sleep the next night. And then it picked up from where it ended the last night. Wow, never heard of that. And it just, and it went for seven days and, you know, for people who might be listening that are not Christian. I mean, that's an important number. So it's like, yeah. um, and, um, I had no idea. Um, and so then that kind of stuck with me and still has. What was the dream with that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask cause, cause you, cause you said things started to change when you started to get to know Jesus, like who this guy really was. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's coming from these this seven days of dreams. Yeah. Not, not
2: really from not... this specific dream. That was kind of more of like, what the heck was that? Okay. Like,
1: and I do believe
2: it was a prophetic dream in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then my brother actually kind of right away after that near death experience, he just, he started going to church and then he started like talking to me. And that's where we kind of exchanged notes sort of. And he and then He's like, you know, I'm going to church now. I believe in God and I believe in Jesus specifically and everything. And then for me, it was like, well, I, you know, I don't know, you know. And then like three months after that dream, which is like three months after my brother had that experience, I went up to the Redwoods for like winter break and um, and then just walked, did a little jog like through the woods and I was just captivated by just how beautiful everything was. I'd never been to the redwoods before, uh, before then. And so then I just felt like that dream, I just kept brushing it off and pushing to the side or just that rationalist side of me that just wants to know that that didn't happen. It was just, you know, and then I just felt like for the very first time, what I believe is just, I feel like God just, just through that time, just through looking at nature and looking over the cliff at the Pacific ocean, just like, that was me, you know, and that was me trying to get your attention Mm -hmm. and i think that if i had not had that dream my life and things would have been a lot different because i was willing to die for what my cause was Mm -hmm. um but now i'm willing to die for the cause of jesus and um and I, I feel like it just got it just got transferred over, and um, and so then, basically, I, I, I think at that point it was just more of like, okay, I believe there's a God, I believe there's someone talking to me, I just don't know who you are, mm-hmm. sort of thing. And then I just I just couldn't get through the whole Jesus thing, you know, I'm like I'm like why does it have to be just Jesus? So it was kind of like exploring the whole like all past point to god sort of thing and um exploring other religions you know like not super scholarly or in depth but you know just kind of considering those ideas and then you know just really i owe a lot to my brother for being in church and he invited me to go to church and i'd come whenever i could you know with my busy life and you know and he also, because of his kidney, he had a lot of complications. You know, being young and um, a lot of side effects from dialysis, he'd go, you know, several times a, a week. And you know, and it's he's tired, he's exhausted, he's, you know, uh, hard to like maintain a job and everything. And then um, several times, you know, he's he's had pulmonary embolisms, he's had pulmonary edema, and there's times of how to just rush into the ER. Yeah, and then seeing in his suffering how much faith he had in jesus mm-hmm. bothered the hell out of me like because i was like how are you like this and so okay with where you are right now and it's like and then he just says it's it's because i have jesus in my heart it's because i have god and then so it just that always bothered me and then but i couldn't shake it off and then whenever i had concerns you know being a young college kid trying to figure out how I'm going to pay for school and um, not having a whole lot of money and even just what direction I'm going to go in, he would just be like, just give it to God. You could ask God for these things. And then it was just things like that that just, just things just start happening. Like I won I, I research awards that I just shouldn't have won, you know, that basically got me out of school debt-free mm. and basically got to travel and do this cool science and and stuff and then you know basically get wined and dined and then uh on top of that have this sort of like prestigious institution behind my name and then get a co-authored publication by the time i graduated college and on a peer-reviewed science article and then that kind of launched my research career and they're just kind of like things like that would happen um and then just a little number of those things would happen. And then just kind of more just kind of practicing, listening to God and start attending more church. And um, when I graduated college, so basically on the other side of my undergrad, got my biology degree, but then I was a full blown Christian. at Right. You know, and so then well, was it hard started, to, I'm, was it hard
0: ahead. to reconcile uh, studying biology and I'm assuming a secular institution and, mm-hmm. and your new faith. Was that kind of a difficult thing for you?
2: It was a little bit, but I think, uh, I was alluding to it earlier, like kind of being once I believe in something, mm-hmm. um, I just go head on and I don't mind being the outcast. I don't mind being the outsider because I was already like an anarchist, a punk rocker. It was kind of like that. I don't give a care right. to begin with. So kind of like going into it, like, well, I don't, if I believe this is the truth, which I do. That i don't care about your opinion right you know uh about me but yeah i mean it was still challenging to an extent because i was also under a senior investigator who ran a lab and you know so it's like any challenges to anything about faith or whatever proved to be a little bit challenging but i'd still like would say something every now and then when i just felt like i should
0: yeah you
2: know, I mean, and I did stand up sometimes even to a circle of atheists who were just discussing the Bible, even though I didn't understand the Bible very much. Like I just remember one time I was just in a dorm and um, a few people were just discussing how just religion just is just basically mumbo jumbo and whatever. And I was actually trying to read a Bible that my brother had given me. That I just couldn't get through it. Like, this is so boring. Like, (laughs) like, I just can't. Like, what is the story, you know? But I've had experiences with God at that point. And then I just walked up to the room and said, well, I think you guys just need to close this book because you guys are never going to understand. And um, from your own mental faculties and reasoning. And until you've had certain experiences like I've had, You know, and even just kind of faced with situations that could mean life or death, then I I I don't think you're gonna understand. So he basically just said you guys just need to shut up. (laughs) And (laughs) uh, and that was sort of like the beginning of it. So just like this is what I believe and after I I, after college I I basically just told myself I was gonna take two years off because I was like I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. with this new identity like i said the anarchist thing was such a huge identity and even when i became a christian i was still considered myself an anarchist like i was going to church going to discipleship but i was like no but i'm an anarchist like this is what i believe and stuff and it was really hard to let go and it was actually very similar to what happened here in minneapolis there was like a riot against police brutality and stuff that was going on and in Anaheim where I grew up. And I actually went out and prayed because my friend was like, and it was the same friend I was talking about about earlier, like, he's like, hey, Daniel, you need to come out and like, there's a riot down downtown Anaheim right now, you need to come out and, uh, you know, join us. And I was just like, oh, like I was in the middle of like, helping a friend out, write a manuscript for a paper, and I was just like, well, can I come? Like, I don't know, right now's just not a good time. But then, he, then like, I just saw it on the news. I like, just things all was breaking down and I was like, all right, I'm going to go outside. Me being a new Christian, like six months in, <laughs> I was yeah. just like, God, can I go to this riot? <laughs> and I felt in my heart that God said, you can go, but you just can't do the things that you used to do. You're just there to love your friends. So I went and I just said, this is back in 2012, so then I, I, my other prayer was, God, I don't know what, it, what the world's going to be like in 10 years. I just want to be able to hear your voice, like no matter where I am, like that even bullets are flying, that I can I can hear your voice. Mm-hmm. And I went out there, and even though my brother had been trying to convince me out of anarchism, other people have been trying to convince me out of anarchism. For the very first time, I felt like I heard God say, very clearly probably the clearest i ever heard god was you don't know what justice is because you're a corruptible human being mm-hmm. and i just felt defeated and that's what ultimately left so in the middle of a riot i left the anarchist movement wow yeah can, can because we... just because of that simple little nugget of truth right about my because essentially it, I mean, anarchism comes down to, I mean, I think there's a lot of good things within that wants to be done with anarchism, but it's like, it, it really just comes down to, well, I can govern myself. Right. And yeah. really we just, I mean, we can to an extent, but like, I mean, but you know, if we're left to our own devices and our flesh, it's just, yeah. it, it, it's just, it's not going to go well, you know?
0: And, yeah. That's the original so. sin, right? Yeah. In the garden. That's really <laughs> sin. I I could be like God. I can govern myself.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can Can we go back? I want to go back to your to your time in in quote academia as a as a biologist. Would you Would you consider yourself a creationalist? Um.
2: Honestly, like I haven't really touched on that too much recently. Um, ultimately. I, I mean, for what it means to people, I, I believe God created everything.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, plain and simple. Yeah. Like whether that is, you know, I know there's some people who consider themselves like evolutionary theorists who believe in that God created Was created it. everything, but then let's like things evolved and stuff like that. Like, I really don't know and can't say definitively what happened matter can evolutionary theorists Not kind of anyone else who wasn't there it's just i believe god created everything
0: yeah
2: and what i can say for myself is that whether i can wrap myself around the idea that just one thing became another i don't know but do i believe that micro level of adaptations and evolution occurs yes I mean, we see it all the time in molecular biology right but i don't know to the extent that some people would claim is what happens
0: right changing from species, one species right, to
2: another literal jump from species, to species. you know so that's that, that that's kind of what i i don't know you know but there's there, i mean there's a lot of things that can be argued for or against and so that's where i'm just kind of like Really, when it comes down to it, like I don't think it's a salvation issue, but I believe God created everything quite simple. Yeah, I think. Yeah. It, However, that happens to be, I don't think I'm going to go to hell for one way or another. <laughs> you know. No,
0: no. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you're not going to hell. But I, um, I think it, you know, uh, there's definitely microevolution, but macro macro evolution that uh, a creationist would be would say doesn't uh, doesn't exist. And uh, without getting too technical, but um, but. You know, it's both are a matter of faith,
2: mm-hmm. right? That, that that's actually what I said to someone before because there was one. I think one of the first times I stood up for God when I was first becoming a Christian was like someone made the claim like we're sitting at a table, like, well, faith and science just don't go together. And I just remember just being like, Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was, like, and he was like, Wait, what? Like, you know, because I'm like used to agreeing with this guy all the time, but I think he was used to me agreeing all the time. And so because you have to have a lot of faith in the interpretation of your results, I have to actually do the same thing with what I'm doing now Mm -hmm. with my current work. I have to have faith that um, my interpretation is correct. And also with the caveat that, hey, I mean, this could get disproven later on with more advanced, better technology. And my interpretation could be wrong, but I'm doing with the evidence before me with the technology before me i'm doing the best i can yeah and that's kind of the sort of responsibility for my committee is like is your experimental design actually going to answer the question you're trying to ask
3: right
0: yeah exactly
2: and so it does take a lot of faith and i mean i because i don't want i don't want to say anything misleading or misguiding to anyone and um you know, not only in my faith, but also in my science as well, because
3: mm-hmm.
2: my faith also governs my science. And that's kinda of like when like people say like, well, philosophy is dead. It's like, well, I'm getting a degree in a philosophical degree in neuroscience. Like, how is philosophy not part of it? Like yeah. if you don't have philosophical ethics governing the way you do science, then we'll just do shoddy science.
0: Like, right, exactly. You know, and what I don't know what they teach people anymore, but all the giants that you stand on the shoulders of in regard to science were Christians. Okay. And they they uh, developed the scientific method and all these discoveries because they thought that if God created everything, it's orderly and we could study it, and we could do experiments yeah. and prove it. And so, um, yeah, this is you know the modern world turned away from you know all that. Anyway, I'll get into all that.
1: If you were a little older, I'd ask you if if you just happened to be on the same flight as Louis Giglio, um, <laughs> have, have you heard his his testimony on laminin? <clears throat>
2: Uh, I, I, I think I've briefly heard of it cause I actually studied, um, laminin like an extracellular matrix protein and that's yeah. what I've shaped like part a cross. Of yeah. So, so I did touch on it a little bit. But. Yeah.
1: Cause cause he, he tells the story of, of putting this speech together and he was on a flight with a molecular biologist and he's like, he goes, what's your punchline? And ultimately he tells about laminin. So you get anybody, just YouTube, Louis Giglio laminin. It's a great, it's a great watch.
2: Well, like my punchline for when i for myself is and i think i need it because i'm pretty stubborn um when i was a year and a half into christianity so i'd already walked away from anarchism um i kind of one thing i didn't mention before was that my story is very convoluted because i went from being an atheist and then i went to being a satanist (laughs) And I leave that out because it's a very convoluted story. I went because you're like, why did you go from an atheist then to a Satanist and then back to an like agnostic and then hmm. back to like um now you're a full blown Christian. But my first spiritual experience was when I was in high school when I was kind of at the lowest low and it was a satanic, demonic entity that I had some sort of interaction with. And then I kind of devoted myself to Satanism for like three years, but I didn't like, like go to covens or anything like that. I just like the way Christians talk about the Holy spirit and hearing from God is how I felt about Satanism. And I didn't even have to do weird stuff, like weird sacrifices or anything, mm. but I just like, I feel like I can hear Satan. Like I'm just think and think and think about, what am I going to do to that person next, next to me in class? So when you talk about the Dahmers and stuff like that, um, it's like, I, w- what can I do to this person to torture them? Um, basically torture them to death and have them experience the most excruciating pain before they die. Oh my. And so, and, and that's, sort of thoughts that i went through like i could have been like a serial killer you know and i i tell my wife now even because i'm just like the only thing that stopped me was just the rationale that it's like i'm gonna go to prison i'm not gonna i'm gonna get caught that's the only thing that stopped me like yeah. other than that if i knew i wasn't gonna get caught for 100 i would have done it to the people that you know maybe the most upset you know and that's and you know and it's just like you know i thought at the time satanism was gonna rid me of my depression and all that stuff, but it became more suicidal, became more, right. There's just a lot more anxiety, a lot more fear. And, you know, it's just kind of like, we all know how it ends. It's like, say it isn't going to make you promises and it's just going to be empty promises.
0: You know, yeah, that's, you know, you, you went through some, and you experienced uh, the spiritual battles and, and, you know, there's, there's a spiritual realm. Now, if you believe God's word, the Bible, there is a spiritual realm and there's spiritual beings and a spiritual battle going on all around us and uh, not many people have experience with that you know or touch on that and and that's you know you're kind of bringing that to light in this uh, and, and telling your story uh, that's the, uh, that's that's wild and you end up becoming a christian did you meet your wife before or after you became a christian
2: what was it you kind of broke out a little bit
0: did you meet your wife before or after you became a christian
2: after thank god um so (laughs) uh, i don't think she's able to handle me. um so yes so i actually so kind of getting back i i i a year and a half into being a christian because of my spiritual experiences as a satanist that's kind of why i brought it up was that i started kind of fast forwarding into sort of more charismatic type christianity and so and i found that very relatively easy Mm -hmm. because of my experiences to say this and for me i was just like well reading the bible from an objective standpoint from a scientific analytical standpoint like okay well if this says that i can pray healing for people then it should happen if this is real and i met other people who believe the same thing and um and then i just came across them at. Uh, one church one time and said, "We're going to go, we're going to go to Huntington Beach and we're going to go pray uh, healing for people and we're just going to go uh, get prophetic words and stuff." And it was like, "That sounds cool. I'd like to learn." So, uh, where do I meet you guys? Like, oh, meet me at this church and blah blah. And we're just going to pray and fast for a few hours and you know just worship and then we're going to go. And it's like, "All right, cool. I have nothing better to do on a Friday night. I don't party anymore or doing any that stuff, you know." So that sounds cool. And then I didn't have any other numbers. I was just like, I'm just going to go meet them there. But that church building actually was for two different church congregations. And since I couldn't find them, I was going to leave, but there happened to be a Spanish church congregation meeting at that time. And then I was like about to leave, but then I just fell again. Just very similar when I was in that riot. It's like, just now I need to go back in. And so I walked in and and why I like to mention these details is because, you know, this wasn't a gimmick that wasn't like um, anyone trying to put on a show. I just walked into the sanctuary, was standing in the far backs. I didn't know anyone. And so I was just like, I'm just going to chill out and hang out on my own, which I like to do at that time a lot. And during the worship, um, this back injury that I had for three years, um, it was crippling. Like I would show up late to school and, um, it it was really hard to just anything that I'm doing in F3, I couldn't have been able to do because of this back injury.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, You know, I, I, it was really hard to really be physically active. It was really hard to just really focus in school. My grades kind of suffered a little bit. So, um, and it, it got healed completely. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was the punchline for me. It was just like, well, shoot. If I ever want to like question god it was just like and even at that time i was just like questioning even as it was happening i was feeling something radiate up and down my back and then i just felt the pain just dissipate and it was like soothing warm almost like energy uh, almost like air all at the same time like all these sensations and they were good sensations and i was like okay i'm checking the wall i'm seeing is there a vent is there a window like i was like just trying to just destroy what had just happened and there were just i was like i i I can't i I never felt anything like this and i i can't just disprove it away you know and i was i was already a believer at that point um but it's one thing to hear i've heard many testimonies of people getting healed and saying they got healed and all this stuff but it was another thing for me to experience it myself right and then that Really, at the time, because of my brother's kidney failure, I wanted to really go into, like, the whole organ engineering field and build organs from adult stem cells Mm -hmm. or something like that. But that kind of unknowingly at the time, really, because of all my mental health issues, um, that I didn't even know because I was getting undergoing a lot of healing at the time. But my mental health issues I had to deal with when I met my wife the following year, and then that happening with my back really kind of – jump-started me to kind of want to pursue neuroscience because mm. hey, I, I, I I love talking to people about neuroscience I was actually working in a neuroscience lab during that time I was working in a neuroscience lab during my undergrad but I just didn't want to do neuroscience I was like I want to do something else mm. it just but like I just over time many years and my wife helped me realize it's like you've just never been happy since you left neuroscience and which is why I'm finally just pursuing my PhD now and uh, we're living on just my income as a neuroscience student and she's staying at home and she's homeschooling the kids because that's what we decided to do. We thought this is what God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. And So I met my wife the following year after that healing event. Right. And yeah, so, and so I was already a Christian like two years in. Um, she had been a Christian all her life since she was like six and raised in the church and stuff. So, so our personalities collide sometimes because I'll just think about like something funny that's funny to me or whatever. And I was like, Oh, you ever thought about that. she's like, I-, I would never think about that. Like, <laughs> how'd you you guys- know, just, like, what's wrong with you? Sort of <laughs> so, How-
1: how'd you guys meet? Uh, probably the best place is church. Uh, yeah. I, um,
2: I was actually, because my church, um, I left it for like many reasons, the church that I got saved at, but it was just time to leave. And so, i was just kind of floating around figuring out where to land and was going to four churches at one time i was going to a black church i was going to um be a church i think for a little bit you know a spanish church i was going to like um just some more pentecostal church over like in costa Mesa somewhere and i was actually going to go to that one i was like i'm going to go to that church in costa Mesa, i'm going to go I, i've been I had go, i've been going to their saturday night service there's like a, actually like a tattoo artist who was also like sort of like a leader in the church and he would actually just have saturday night worship night and we would just pray and just pray over each other we would worship and sing songs and he would do it in his tattoo shop or he'd do it at the church and it was just a cool place to go and then so then I was like, I'll try their Sunday service. But what was funny is that I went to their Sunday for service for the first time. And something, some sort of drama happened with uh, my wife's church that she came from. But I guess they were branching out and starting a new church. But there was some drama there. And the original launching church did not want to, like, bless them. So this other church was going to bless them. They're all kind of part of the same denomination. I don't really pay attention to that stuff. But... Um, And she just on the first day I visited that
1: church in Costa Mesa, her church happened to be there. This
2: new house starting that was gonna get a blessing from this other church, you know. And so then, and I just sat there and I was like, okay, that's not what I was expecting, but okay, cool, whatever. And then the the pastor of that church, that new church, was like, hey, like if anyone wants to. Help out. We need people. So, mm-hmm. you know, just pray about whether you want to join in. And, you know, and then I, I just felt it was one of those things like, you know, maybe I should try that one. Maybe this is kind of the timing, you know, because it was in downtown Florida, which is like where I went to school. It's close to my parents. And uh, so I went to community college there. went to the university there. And then this guy just walks up to me and was like, hey, can I like talk to you for a second? And I'm like, sure. And he was like, you told me some things, he prayed over me and he was like, hey, are you with that church, that new one? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, you know you're supposed to be there, right? Yeah. No. And, and I was like, well, I mean, I was thinking of trying it out. And he was like, well, try it out. You know, maybe where God wants you. And for four months, I had been going to a young little Bible study there. And me and my wife kept missing each other. It just so happened that every time I showed up, she just wasn't there and vice versa. And, and I think there was a reason for that. I was dating a Christian girl from a previous church and that felt, failed miserably. <laughs> and, you know, and I had to deal with the ramifications of that, uh, that re- kind of reopened a lot of wounds. even though I was going through a lot of healing as a new Christian, new believer, um, that really opened a lot of like relational wounds and stuff like that. And, so basically when I met my wife, I was like a broken puppy, but by that time it was fine because I was a, out of a relationship. <laughs> and so, um, But her and I pretty, clicked pretty well, like just a lot different than – I guess it was for the first time it was like she just did a lot of things to show me that she listened, like little minor details, and I was like, who would care about that minor detail? Right. And she would do something the next time she saw me that – indicated that wow you listened you actually cared about what i had to say you know and um so and then we had very stimulating intellectual conversations and um she was just very sincere very devoted to her faith and then really believed very sincerely in the power of prayer and everything like that so then we got to know each other through a road trip then she invited me to a prayer group that she led and then that helped me kind of get through the hurting process of like a broken relationship and those ruins kind of resurfacing because just praying for other people and their problems going kind to of gets you off your own mm-hmm. yeah. problems. And so then, um, our engagement kind of fast forwarding a little bit, basically like within a few months after we were friends, like, um, she basically I, I proposed to her, uh, well, I first asked her if we can go out, but actually true version is she asked me if we we're going to go out. We were on a road trip. I was like, we were going to, and our church like prayed for us. Like, yeah, we'll just, me and her, we're going to go around the country, like at least half the country. We're going to go through Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, um, and just, um, just pray for people as we felt led, just, and even just see some friends on the way. And then we were in Nevada, just in the middle of the desert somewhere some sushi random sushi restaurant getting some food and then she would just like i feel like we have feelings for each other and i think i'm right about that and if not i'm just gonna be really embarrassed and then i was just afraid to be in a relationship so i just like froze there and just stared at her for like (laughs) 30 seconds apparently (laughs) and that was the longest 30 seconds for her and then I said, yes, because the day before I'd written in my little prayer journal that God said it's okay to pursue her mm. and pursue her boldly. And that turned out to be true because the, later that day she was like, well, I felt like God said you're the one. So when are we getting married? <laughs> so she made it pretty dang easy. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, okay, well, um, straight shooter. And um, yeah, so then we made the plans to get married. And I proposed to her officially a month later after that first and only date at that time. And, um, but a lot of spiritual things that you talked about happened. And I think a lot of it had to do with sort of, um, sort of the Satanism that I was in partially for sure. Cause my wife told me like the day that you gave me the ring, I put my ring on and then like, I was going to, She said it started burning and like really, really burning. Like like, like I felt like it was on fire and then I was going to take it off and put, and put it like on the little nightstand. But then I said, no, I'm going to keep it on. And then the burning stopped. And then we felt like that was sort of like a premonition or a prophecy of what was to come. Cause then for a year and a half, we had the most terrible engagement and i mean we'd argue for eight hours every freaking day um because it was just like all of the i felt like a schizo like it was just like all of my fears of like past traumas past right. relationships whatever just threw it on her even though there was no reason to just packed on it was like whatever was going need i felt but it was in a weird paradox we we're supposed to be together But there's something's coming between us. But like whatever was coming between us, it's like I just kept giving into that fear and giving into those voices.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: But I felt like I was going nuts, and it was like every single hurt, pain, wound, threw it onto her, and um, and it, it was just it was just hell. And she had a dream that basically like there's all these demons that just like grab my backpack. And we're sitting in the back of church and taking everything out of my backpack. And she's like, this represents something like, you know, like all the good things of me and just taking it out. She went over to like, go grab my backpack. But then they like just threw some shards of glass into her palm. And like, basically they were just stuck in the palms of her hand. So she had all these scars and wounds from it. And I feel like with the year and a half problems we had, that came true. And, um, and then you know we I went to two different therapists. I went to um, we went to marriage uh, like sort of premarital counseling to a church, and it, it was so bad. People were and it's understandable. People were telling us like, yeah, you guys should get married. So it's not like I'm going to tell anyone to like, yeah, get through it. You will get through it or anything like that. It's like her and I were both kind of the type of people that like if if we say truth about ourselves that needs to be pointed out truth about life we're going to move towards that and so essentially it came down to the therapy helped um what i actually prayed about which therapist to go to and one of them in particular i picked him from a list i was like i think this is what god wants me to do and then my wife picked the same guy from the same list on her own after praying and then went to him you know he was really old and he would fart during the sessions and stuff. And I was just like, ah, oh, you fall asleep. And I just like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and uh, So, but then I just like was ducking him. And then one day I just like, you know, we're having more problems. Like God, like if you want to go see this guy again, just give me some sort of freaking sign. And my wife worked at a coffee shop right across the street from the hospital I was working at. And I went to go visit her for like lunch. And then she just happened to be there. That same day. Mm-hmm. And then so I went up to him and like, I know I've been ducking you, you know, can we just try this again? And turns out he was a Christian too. He revealed that the next session. And then he started praying for me and during the sessions and give me sort of psychological explanations of what I was going through. Like, like there's just times when I feel like I'm getting better and then all of a sudden it's worse and it's worse than before. And I feel like there's no coming back from it. he's like actually that's normal and that's a normal pattern for extinguishing out some sort of like negative psychological behavior and so and so there's some tools i took from it but what really did was i just basically just can't it just like this this isn't enough and then my wife had a friend who went to a different church and said like well we have some people here who some of them are professors at of university and they do something called a deliverance prayer. You might want to just give it a shot. And we're just like, well, I was a Satanist. So maybe that's just got a hold on me and just give it a shot. And basically I just had to just kind of read through a book to kind of little know a little more about what deliverance was and fill out a little paperwork, a little paperwork about like what, Sort of things have happened in my past, and and I thought there, and I thought I was going to give it to them before the prayer, but they actually just took the paper and I just put it aside, didn't even look at it, and then they just prayed for me for like three or four hours. Boy, and basically with no knowledge of who I was, um, what has happened, you know, and basically just went through different seasons of my life and were like, okay, let's just bring Jesus into it. Let's pray for him. Let's like, you know, and there was things like, you know, just to kind of give it a simple example. It's like one of them was like, you know, just, well, just, just imagine if you have a, you're holding an egg and a sperm and you're bringing them together and that makes you God standing behind you. What do you, what do you feel like saying to God right now? if you know that this is going to make you. And then I just like just start crying like right there. Like just I looking at God and saying, w- are you sure you want to do this? And that just like, I, I just didn't realize I had those sort of self worth issues and stuff like that. Right. And and then, then we just went through different seasons of my life. Just like, okay, what's to go to like four to eight. Is there anything from there, that you can tell, or zero four, and let's—is there anything from there that 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 stands out in your mind? And then it's like you know, and it's be a traumatic event, and it's like okay, well ask Jesus where He was during that time, you know, because growing up, I'd be thinking like, well, Jesus and God wasn't there, you know, and actually, when I became a Satanist, that was actually my 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 reasoning was, for the first time, I've had a spiritual experience. It was all the demonic. But my my reasoning for getting out of atheism, the moment that I saw this demonic entity, which I believe to be Satan, it was like, Satan, you're there for me, but God never was. And it's like, you know, so God's a coward. Satan, you're the actual one that I need. And at that point, I wasn't an atheist anymore. But then when I got out of Satanism, and my wife and I talk about it all the time, because like, I was like, there's just one day after three years, just walked away from it. Mm -hmm. there's just no and it's just like there's probably just a lot of people praying for you and there's really no reason why and then but because i left it then the next trick of the enemy is to well then probably none of that happened and none of that's real and you know I, i was depressed i was sad i was suicidal i was just probably crazy so all of that was made up in my own mind and so then and it was very soon after that that's when my brother had his new death experience and I had that dream yeah and it started my path towards Christianity and
0: then you got so, and then you got you got healing there and uh, you end up getting married and and moving to Minnesota what made you leave Southern California
2: again since I've become a Christian god <laughs> um, I um, basically my wife and I I mean, we went to that deliverance prayer in 2016, and literally, my wife can attest to this that all the problems that we had just changed overnight. Yeah. I wasn't anxious anymore, wasn't suicidal, wasn't depressed, just healed. Mm. And again, that was, uh, again, another reason why I was like, got, got me further interested, like neuroscience, you know, and, um, and so then, and we had actually set up our new wedding day because we had to postpone our wedding date, set up our new wedding date in hopes that that deliverance prayer was going to work.
0: Right.
2: But we didn't know if it was going to work. And then we got married that same year, a couple months later. And then within a few months, we we were house-sitting um, for some friends that were going on vacations to some uh, more senior people from an old church that my wife used to, attend as a kid and then um we're dog sitting house sitting and then one day like my wife and i we had a little date night we came back and then i just like felt something come over me like in the middle of my sleep and it just like i couldn't shake it off and then i was like felt like god's like go to the living room and pray and i prayed for three hours and just the first thing I wrote in there was terrifying, because then I felt like I heard God say, "You need to leave to Minnesota, and you need to leave now." And then I was terrified, and was like as I was writing it, because like oh, I don't want to write this. And then I was like, "You better tell my wife, because <laughs> she's gonna be pissed." And um, she was pissed, because then I did tell her, and then she for a week she stood on it, and then she was like, "Okay." I feel like God told me that we need to move to, I need to be willing to move to Minnesota and we need to go with no job and no house. <laughs> and I did not listen to her. I was looking for houses, looking for jobs. And, but basically within that week of like, we made the decision and we put in our two weeks notice and then we just left. Wow.
1: Common, common thread along this whole story is prayer, 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 prayer yeah. right? Prayer, yeah.
0: Power, prayer. Yeah. All right, so tell, let's get let's uh, talk about F3 for a little bit now. You, uh, you got sure. involved with F3. I know that you weren't engaged initially, but you are now. Um, how has F3 helped you with your faith?
2: I mean, I think it's given me like, you know, I know F3 is not, you know, denominational or, or ascribing to any religion, you know, as we say, but uh, it just so happens that a lot of the people that do attend our F3 happen to be Christian or Catholic. And so that's been very helpful for me to just have another group of guys
3: mm-hmm.
2: but not just a group of guys at church but also just a group of guys at doing something difficult and wanting to being on the same mindset of wanting to like just be better right. men then um and helping us ha- having that discipline like get up early in the morning do something challenging together but then taking that in other areas of our lives, whether that be work, whether that be our families, Um, you know, I've been able, not lately, but been able to attend some of the, like, the F3, uh, coffee uh, studies, and that's been helpful as well. Um, so hoping to be able to do that again. Um, I I think just like when I started in 2022, I, I think I mentioned it before is like, um, 2022 was just a phenomenal year for me. It was just like, it sucked in a lot of ways (laughs) because my wife had an emergency surgery and there was, my son was sick for a long period of time and we still don't even know what happened, but it was just a phenomenal year in the sense that we made it through all those challenges. I got through, um, the sort of big milestones of my PhD program and won various distinguished awards. And I do not credit myself alone for it. I believe it was, by the grace of God that I got those, but I think also just having to start off the year with the F3 uh, group really helped me to kind of, like, orient myself to kind of really mm-hmm. push myself and take on more things than I thought possible, like, step into more leadership roles and just kind of just, like, really just kind of, uh, you know, queuing for the first time. I'll be just kind of just, like, just be more, like, just – gung-ho and take action right you know, and um and just be okay oh, i think a common theme for me and last year was having joy in the journey having joy in the difficulty mm-hmm. even even at that yeah and just and, and in the learning process that comes with it
0: yeah be joyful always Good words yeah 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 that's awesome man uh what a story. I mean a personal story of uh, yeah. spiritual warfare and the spiritual battle that's out there and
1: Yeah, so often you, you overlook and don't don't really think about. Yeah. You know, I, I just warfare that's happening uh, behind the scenes and right. Um yeah, it's could see you're very sensitive to it. Um, right. you know, and hearing, listening.
0: Right. I just finished a book called The Unseen Realm. Uh it's a it's a theology book, but it's not too heavy. Um but it he talks about from a different perspective going through scripture about uh, what uh, sheds more light on the, on the uh, what's going on from before the beginning uh, all the way till, you know, the end of revelation and stuff yeah. like that. It's a pretty, pretty interesting book. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks Genesis. I appreciate that. I just got a couple more questions. It's getting kind of late. I apologize, but, uh, just two more questions and then we'll let you go. Um, first one is, uh, you have somebody that you would say kind of inspires you or a hero or somebody you look up to could be anybody from the past or the, you know, somebody now or whatever, who would that be? Jesus. Yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> didn't
1: take, didn't take him long.
0: No, no, no.
2: Yeah. No, that's, because I've, I've, I've thought over that question many times before. Cause you know, I, I get asked that being in academia, you yeah. know, a lot. And it's just like, I could tell you I could give an example of one worldly person or whatever, but I really, what it comes down to, it's just, it's this wanting to be more like Jesus. Yeah. That's really what I want to be like. And, and I know my shortcomings. I'm very well aware of it. And part of my prayer is to like, is to also for God to help me see the things that I can't see about myself. Yeah. That I need a change.
0: Well, the reason, so, the reason we need Christ is because of our shortcomings.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: That's why we need a savior. All right, nice good answer, buddy. Uh, um last question is this is your chance to speak to the men of America. What's your message for the men of America?
2: Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, um there really just that there's no hope other than Jesus. Yeah. There's there, there, there's there's nothing The reason I can get through and why I think anyone could get through some of the things that they get through, um, I I really just thoroughly believe that, you know, because I think because people ask me what, how do you get through being a grad student, raising a family and stuff, and, you know, I mentioned briefly that my wife had emergency surgery and stuff and there was some illnesses with my kids last year. And really what it came down to is the same answer and it'll never change. It's like because of my faith in God.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. So it's the same as what my brother used to tell me, you know, and that's what gives me, it doesn't mean that life doesn't suck. It doesn't mean that I don't feel pain. Right. It just means that I have God living inside of me who's given me the strength to endure that mm-hmm. and be able to even have peace when I shouldn't have peace. And that's really it. Yeah. Like and that's and then the rest of the world is empty. Um, um let's see I'm trying to think of a I, I'm still quite a bit of a metalhead punk rocker, so I, I, I listen to a lot of like uh Christian inspired metal music and stuff. <laughs> um it was the line that comes to mind is the emptiness is the promise, the sin is just the proof. Mm. And that's from a band called Demon Hunter, highly recommend. <laughs> um, so that's really what it is. Just the world is, what the world can give you is empty.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: My fulfillment is in Jesus. Even as a scientist, I've told many people that, like, one of the reasons I can get through this is because I'm not fulfilled in being a scientist. I'm not fulfilled in my career. Because I know careers can come and go. My fulfillment is in Jesus. And as long as I know that I'm doing this, and it'll bring glory to God, that's all I care about. But once I get the command that God says, "Don't do this anymore," I won't do it. Yeah, yeah. that's so.
0: great, man. That's a great word. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, without God, everything is just dust in the wind, yep. or so Solomon yep. said. Yeah, and some band from the '60s. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> oh wait, that would be. Uh, uh, that was, oh my gosh, uh, Kansas, D-
1: Kansas, dust was in the wind. Kansas or Bob? Di- I don't Kansas, know why I had Bob Dylan in my head.
0: Well, I know Can just made it the most popular. Okay, don't um, yeah, about them. Sure. There, there are two, <laughs> two songs that came out of Ecclesiastes. You know what the other one was? No. Every season turned, turn. turn uh, by the birds, I think. Anyway, uh, you know, if you want to be a high impact man, following Christ would be a good start. Don't you think?
1: I absolutely think so. I right. agree. Yeah, so we just talked. So. Agree, agree. You agree. With that statement, that's what it was.
0: So we just talked to another
1: high impact, man. We did. All right. Yeah, great, great story, man. Yeah. You've, uh, well, yeah I hope
2: you're, it accomplished what you wanted it to accomplish. So. Yeah,
1: and, and, and you're a young dude, man, and you've, you've, you've uh, had a lot in your life, and so uh, it'd, it'd be awesome to talk to you in five years, ten years down the road and, and see where you're at. Yeah, you got quite a testimony, yeah, that's for sure. Great testimony, for sure. Yeah.
0: Hey, listen, it isn't uh, what you did or what I do or what Dial-Up does. It's whatever God's going to do with it. It's all for his glory. So we'll see what happens with it. For sure. <laughs> right. Well, God bless you, brother. good talking yeah, to you.
1: take
2: care. God bless you, too. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.